0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Just Like Us podcast. Just Like Us is the LGBT plus young people's charity in the UK. And uh, we are here with a wonderful guest. But before we introduce the guest, let's introduce ourselves as the hosts. My name is Isaac. I use he, him pronouns. I'm one of your hosts for today and I'm here with Lily as well.
1: Hello, my name is Lily and I use she, they pronouns.
2: Our guest today is the wonderful Kenny Ethan Jones. Hey everybody, my name is Kenny. I use he, him pronouns. I would classify myself to be a writer, advocate and consultant. My kind of entry into this space started in March 2018, when I made history by being the first trans man to run a peer campaign, which was wonderful and exciting and just something great to be a part of. And since then, I've just moved on to different things, but mostly around trans inclusion um, the importance of language, mental health and just all things relating to trans lives and just trying to make our lives better, basically. Fantastic,
0: thank you so much for that. I should say as well, I'm a trans man too. So I'm really, really excited to delve into this conversation with you on a personal level because I feel like some of our experiences might line up in really fun and interesting ways that we can discuss. Um, So to break a little bit of the ice, a little bit of a lighter moment, we wanna do uh, what's called quick fire quiz or quick fire questions. Uh, Lily's gonna take it away with that actually
1: all right so yeah so this is just like a bit of a lighter segment here just to, so the audience can get to know you a bit better so as far as the quickfire questions so what do you prefer cats or dogs dogs, dogs. dogs. <laughs> I
2: <I'm laughs> here with like dogs on either side of me I'm dog sitting my sister's dog and I've got my own little chihuahua so <laughs> you a well, oh. that's so cute oh, that's, that's
1: adorable cute. I love that and uh, what about uh, what do you prefer the city or the beach
2: beach 100% like it gets to a point sometimes so I live in London and it gets to a point sometimes where I'm like, I need to escape. Like, I just want to be next to water. There's something so... It's just, I feel connected to the sea and the ocean. And so it's just like, yeah, I definitely the beach, without a doubt.
1: And then what would you say? Would you rather a fashion show or photo shoot? Oof,
2: I've done a lot of both. And I would say, oh, photo shoots, photo shoots. Really? Why? How so? Because I think, like, fashion shows are very intense like everything comes down to this this moment like there's so much work that goes behind it and I'm here for that but equally I think like photo shoots are more personal you get to talk to people and interact with people more um and also you get something you know kind of memorable afterwards whereas fashion shows it's more it's not as personal um and so for that reason I choose photo shoots. I, I can attest
0: to that as well because I met my boyfriend who is in this room right now uh, assisting <laughs> at a photo shoot. It is much more personal, like to actually be able to talk to people as opposed to a fashion show where everything is just going by quickly and it's, yeah, just people walking, running around, pics, pics, pics.
1: Love it. But then, consequentially, do you prefer Instagram or Twitter? Which oh, one? I like Photo
2: shoots. I hate, you hate tw- it. I hate Twitter. <laughs> Do you know what? I don't even use it. It's just like I'm just holding my username. I'll be honest. Like I just, nice. it's so much of a battleground for trans people. And it's just like, if you want to go there to kind of understand what's happening, it's a great place. But I think in terms of like for me, my advocacy and like a part of my mental well-being is kind of it's it's not in a good place when I'm there. And so I would only use it for resource sakes and not something to actually like spend time on and find. Enjoyment from whereas Instagram is very much that. As much as Instagram is still kind of work for me, I have my family and friends on there that I get to keep up with. Like, I'm excited to see what people are doing on their stories. And so it's just a, I just have much more better feelings associated to Instagram versus Twitter.
1: Plus, since you like photo shoots so much, then that's also like a great place to showcase all that work, isn't it?
2: Of course. So- <laughs> there you go. Of yeah, so you <laughs> it's play. perfect.
1: You relate like two for one deals, don't you? So- <laughs> <laughs> Last go quick question is um, carnival or pride? carnival really yeah wow.
2: i guess that's quite weird as a queer person to say that but since i could remember and could walk um i participated in carnival for a band called flamingo carnival arts my mum was like very much like into carnival was like we must do this and it was just like you are going and you are wearing this outfit and i'm like <laughs> mom i don't really want to do it like this is embarrassing and she was like i don't care this is basically family tradition now so get over it so yeah and i have such many like good memories i walked um, the Queen's Jubilee I don't remember what year it was but basically I was tiny and I was wearing like a complete gold outfit and a gold trumpet um, as my costume and like I still had the like VCR tape of it <laughs> yeah I just I love Carnival it holds many good memories for me and it's just I feel like my soul kind of is lit lights carnival so
1: that's beautiful I love that it's uh so you really like you can associate family memories personal memories and just fun times and that's such a yeah
2: like everything especially music and like understanding my culture as a black man like all of those different things come with carnival and like pride is wonderful but yeah carnival carnival gets the win
0: As you know, Just Like Us is a charity that goes into schools and we give talks about what it's like growing up to be LGBT. Uh, We would be remiss if we did not speak about your experience growing up LGBT in schools. We want to know a bit more about that and how you might be able to sort of relate that to experiences that young people listening might have had as well. So what was it like for you growing up being LGBT at school?
2: Oh, so let's just start with the fact that I went to an all-girls school um, and it was also Catholic. There we go, <laughs> and I think in that kind of when you when you start in an all-girl school and you know you're kind of confronted with these feelings and realizing that I was trans, it was very much like a confusing time for me. Like I couldn't, I just I just see myself as being different. I was like, I'm not, I don't understand why I'm here. Like I'm I'm not a girl. Um, like get me out. And then as I started to understand puberties and things like that, and girls started having periods, I was like, I don't like any of this. Like this this kind of future. And this road that I'm supposed to be to go down is not who I am. Um, And so it was, it was hard for that. Like the teachers weren't very supportive. They just didn't really understand it. I don't think it was necessarily that they were transphobic to any degree. It's just, they just didn't get it. And they didn't get how to support me and understand what I was going through. Um, And I was just becoming quite difficult to manage because I felt so misunderstood in school. Um, And so, yeah, it was hard with the teachers but I had a really close group of girlfriends um and they were like my squads and you know they were always there for me they kind of understood me um it was so funny so my name Kenny actually came from a girl in my school Jamelia um who was like you know you're so much like a boy we're gonna give you a boy's name and so that's how Kenny was actually birthed and so yeah I just I have although it wasn't the best place for me to be I feel like one i don't think i would have understood i was trans so early on in life if it wasn't that kind of like conflicting feelings of being surrounded by girls and being told that i'm a girl um and also just kind of like the path of learning myself and i think in that moment i became very strong because i was consistently having to go against what everybody else was telling me my future would be and i don't think i would have the strength today if it wasn't for that as well and so as much as it wasn't the perfect situation um I'm very grateful for going to that school. And I feel like it's a strong part of my story. Were you out as trans while you were at school then? See, when I you're, t- you're talking about like, what, 16 years ago? The label trans didn't really like exist and it wasn't the language that I had or knew. And so it was never like, oh, I'm trans. It was just, I'm Kenny. And kind of like the trans label came later, but everybody just kind of already seen me as a boy and I kind of knew what it was. But the idea back then of saying, you know, I was assigned female at birth and now I'm a boy. Just it, it was a lot for people to kind of understand. And so I didn't want to put so much of a label on it. I just wanted people to kind of accept me for the person that I was becoming without kind of like throwing labels and terms at people as well.
0: Right. Because to contrast, I'm only three years out of school now. So it was very much in our vocabulary. But then I did have the internet at my fingertips to figure it out. And that's how I figured it out. Um, and yeah gave myself that ability to realize everything I was and what I wanted for myself in the future but not quite being able to access it yet so I went to a girls school as well um I can definitely empathize with that experience of like I know that I'm different I know this doesn't quite work but I can't tell why but I'm also with you on feeling grateful for having gone there because yes I realized sooner than I would have I think I would have also compared myself to boys going through puberty like at least we were all going through the same thing at this girls school yeah. I was seeing worse g- growth Spurts and voice drops
2: left, right, and center, and it wasn't happening to me. I think that would have broken me. It really would. You know what? That's funny because there was a point. So I had like three very like close male friends growing up. And there was a point in which I was becoming jealous of their PBE. Mm, Exactly. They were all becoming like six foot, and I was like standing there like five foot one, like well, what's that? Like, where's my PBE? Exactly. (laughs) And so I can relate to that as well. But I think, yeah, like it's so weird to think of like a different experience between you and I, similar in some sense, but like the kind of vocabulary that you have access to now and like understanding those things is very different. And I think it it just puts you in a position where you can identify and align yourself with who you are quicker. Whereas like, and there's, and there's a level I would say of more acceptance in comparison to, to when I yes. came out of trans and so yeah I'm kind of like grateful as well for the terminology and and that's why I'm so kind of like fixated and wanting to promote good use of language and terminology because I like just acknowledging what is what because I think it like you can't you can't label it if you don't understand the terminology or what to use you're just kind of like pitter-pattering around what you think it is but actually if you kind of have a definition for that and you can use that then it's just you're going to get to the person you want to be quicker and I think that's the way you should be wanting to live your life like
1: since you mentioned that you didn't have that vocabulary at the time, so I'm assuming uh, that then the vocab came into your life later on. And how was that experience of like, oh, these are the terms? And was it weird to incorporate that into what you had already figured out was your identity and to bring that up? Was that challenging? Was it helpful? Was it awkward? How did you find that?
2: That's a really good question. So how I kind of like originally came out so to speak to my mom was saying that basically mum I don't see myself as being a girl with a girl I see myself as a boy being with a girl because I was explaining that I found myself attracted to a girl and she was like oh so you're a lesbian and I was like "Mm, that's not that's not it um and so that was kind of my way without obviously knowing the terminology back then to explain myself that's what I used um and then it was only kind of like when I started to go to the doctor's appointments and I was like seeking into looking into medically transitioning that actually like transgender um started to come around and even so it wasn't that phrasing back then it was different And I think for the most part, it was just kind of like, I didn't really care for the label. I cared that the doctor understood what I was experiencing. So for me, the label itself was just like an easy way to be like, this is the case. So I'm trans, so this is what I need. Um, And so I'm really kind of like still unpacking that um, and how, yeah, how I use the terms transgender and black and all of those things, really. I actually
0: wanted to ask you a question as well, Kenny, um, to do with like role models, because you said, well, we kind of both said, if you don't have the vocabulary to describe anything that you're feeling, you can't really describe it and it's hard to put it into words. And I definitely know that growing up, it was even hard to just find role models that looked like me that weren't LGBT, but that were based in British culture. And I'm only 21, I'm three years out of school. I don't know how that experience was for you. Who did you look up to? Did you actually have anybody to look up to?
2: no no yeah. <laughs> no. answer is just straight up no um no there just there just wasn't like I there just wasn't well I'm lying there probably was openly trans people back then who were in the media but it wasn't yeah it wasn't something that I kind of put my focus into or started to kind of like actively seek out um I was just trying to kind of be the best version of me to be honest um and that was like my focus and as I've gotten older I don't actually like the idea of role models which mm-hmm. is probably like a more controversial view um, but it's only because like I feel like when you kind of like you take someone and you make them a role model you become so obsessed with them and what they do and what they say and if they then say something that is kind of like not necessarily something you totally agree with you feel angry at that person or disheartened or just like, oh, I don't really like you as much anymore. And so for me, in terms of like my kind of like alternate version to role models is more like I look at people and I say, what characteristics do you have that I like? So it's like, do you dress well? Are you vulnerable? Um, are you kind? Are you giving? Are you caring? All of those kind of things. And then I go, what parts of that those people do I like? And then I try to embed it in myself and become more of that. So it's more like looking at characteristics of people. Um, but over the years, there's definitely been people that I'm like, I wouldn't necessarily classify as role models, but I feel inspired by, for instance, like um, the Vern Cox and just like what she's achieved as a black trans woman in America um, is nothing short of great. And it's, so it's just like, I look at people and think like, I, I love her ability to act. I love how she just kind of like is trans is beautiful and that's it. And it's just so confident. And like, that's the things that I admire from her. And so I'm like, I want to be more confident. And so I hold on to that and I'm like, I want that characteristic. Um, but I definitely felt inspired by her and like all the kind of like Black trans women in pose and all of those kind of people. Most of my role models, if I were to have them, would be women, um, mm-hmm. just because I feel like women are so much better than men, if I'm honest. Um, and I think you're right. <laughs> and so, and I've also just had like really good women in my life, like my mom, my sister, partners, all of that sort of stuff. So it's just, yeah.
0: Yeah. I think when we speak of role models as well, the thing that comes into my head is kind of the stuff that we do like what Mm -hmm. does a kid see when they see like a trans person for the first time in real life talk about their experience candidly and maybe even have that reflected in them when they've never seen it before and Mm -hmm. I kind of look at it on a more personal level of like my role role model might have been a teacher at school who just showed me kindness Mm -hmm. when nobody else was showing it to me at the time or even just yeah a really close friend or somebody in the year above who just showed me kindness like I think of it on a more personal real life level rather than because there's definitely this this whole thing, especially kind of my age and slightly below it of like fandom having one person or several people that you fixate on and they need to do everything right. Otherwise, we have a problem. That's obviously <laughs> never going to work. And, you know, it kind of only works in like a teenage mind. Right. Um, so I definitely hear what you're saying with like sometimes the idea of a role model can get a bit like unrealistic. But when you personalize it and you you put it into a real life context, actually, I think. It's really nice to have this idea of people who have just helped you whether indirectly or directly and you can like you said take away those characteristics from them and embed them into your own life to become a better person
2: yeah oh, that's a very rounded view
0: i wanted to ask you moving away from school how has life changed for you since you left school
2: that's such a large question i don't even I know, to know. Start. <laughs> like there's so much <laughs> that happens in school oh my god but i would say like the biggest kind of change since leaving school was my level of self-confidence Mm -hmm. Um, and just my ability to kind of like stand in my in myself and be like no this is what I stand for and I'm not accepting less than that's probably been one of the biggest things and also you know my advocacy and things like that before I did this I traded stocks and currencies like I had a very different (laughs) a very different life and before that I did sales and recruitment and so coming from that kind of life into this was definitely like a shock because I just didn't understand media. I didn't understand, you know, what it would kind of do to my mental health as well. Um, and so mental health and challenge, like kind of understanding that and how to take care of myself has definitely been one of the biggest things that I've been like trying to work on for the last couple of years. But yeah, like so much has changed since school. I still talk to the same girls I went to school with, um, which is lovely. And I think that my relationship with myself has gotten better and also with my partners. I think that's a big one. Like, I think I didn't have enough self-confidence to kind of just be myself in a relationship as well and so as I got more confident with myself I felt like I was it just it, it just worked out better and so yeah this I don't really know what to to pick from that there's just so much.
1: If I can share any of my experience usually as uh, I've come out to people over the years whether that is as a bisexual person or as a gender fluid person you always get mixed reactions and sometimes some relationships change and some relationships get even better like I've had uh, for instance, for instance, with the gender fluidity thing uh, over here in Italy, again, speaking to people and having to self-identify what gender I am that day becomes very mentally taxing. But uh, friends of mine have been like, Lily, you are not a burden. You use what you need to use and we freaking adapt. Okay. You do that. So <laughs> they've been great. Other people, it's like, Lily, why are you making this up? Like, so again, in that kind of, you're like, okay, I need to you know, dose my story? <laughs> like, how do I navigate this? So again, it, it relationships can change. And mm-hmm. has anything in particular have any anecdotes? Uh, do any anecdotes come to mind about that, or have any relationships gotten stronger from you being yourself, or anything that you want to share about that?
2: So just let's let's focus on parents. I think because that's a, that's a large part of most people's lives. Um, so my mom has always. What well, was always my number one support like hands down. Like, she was the one who would like chase up the doctor to be like, When is my son getting his appointment? Um, <laughs> she used to give me my injections, my testosterone shots in my butt because I was just like too afraid to do it myself. I sit here with the <laughs> most tattoos, but like needles, mm-mm, don't like those. um And so, yeah, my mom was like totally in support. She, like, even the day that I came out to her, she was the one that was like, I think we need to go to talk to a doctor, like, instantly. Like, Um, and I think in the beginning, it was quite hard for her because she was like, I feel like I'm losing my daughter. Um, but she was like, in the same breath, I know that I'm gaining a son. And so she was just, I think in herself, she was just kind of worried to how our relationship would be affected. Um, which is a natural worry for a parent, I guess. Um, but she was always very supportive of me. Um, my dad on the other side was quite different. Um, My dad was born and raised in Jamaica, Kingston. And so his kind of understanding of transness was very different. It was kind of like that, that no unacceptable kind of thing, Um, which is unfortunate, but it is what it is. And so when I kind of came out to him around being trans, he was just kind of like, no, like this is not acceptable. This isn't happening and just kind of decided to ignore it. And I, you know, had to deal with that and process that and just be like, well, this is kind of hard because I didn't have the greatest relationship with my dad anyways at this point, but it was like, this has closed the door. Like, that's what I felt like in this moment. I was like, I'm never, like, I'm not going to have a relationship with my dad. And that was kind of hard. I remember being upset with, about and like talking to my mom. And then my mom would go back and talk to my dad and be like, he's just trying to be who he is. Like, that's all that this is. Like, he's Kenny and you need to accept that. Otherwise you're going to have no child. So grow up and understand him and take the time to get it and it took him a few years he didn't come around at first he just kind of like oh, bear in mind I have 11 siblings so it, <laughs> there's a lot of us and a lot of different emotions and my family felt different ways about it. some siblings were more supportive than others and yeah I didn't spend too much time with the black side of my family because of that because my mum didn't want to put me in situations in which it was kind of like hostile or like people were kind of like using my dead name um, and it was just going to make me uncomfortable so I kind of got pulled away from the black side of my family which kind of affected my understanding of black culture as well in a way so that's kind of difficult in terms of how things kind of progressed in my dad he started to slowly come around um surprisingly I didn't I kind of just thought that that was going to be it but no he like I guess like my mum had talked some sense into him and he got it and actually he wanted a relationship with me and so he turned around and like started to call me Kay because my previous name started with K as well, but he didn't want to refer to me as Kenny. And so that was kind of like our first like mutual agreement of how we were going to move forward. So he was like, K. And I was like, all right, this, I'm grateful for this at this point, because this is like more further than I thought we would have got. And so we started kind of like progressing and I got a bit older. And and we had like ups and downs in which like he didn't agree with certain things. And yeah, it got a bit difficult. But he then started to say oh like my son but would still call me K and so that was like I remember having tears in my eyes when he introduced me to one of his friends it's like this is my son I was like oh my god he just called me his son like and just kind of like I was I think I must have been around what 16 at that point point. Um, and I had kind of started this journey at 11 so we're still kind of like going through this together I'm still understanding myself he's still understanding what being trans even means and then yeah he just he just he just got better with things and he kind of there was this one time I think I pushed the boat too far out for him to kind of understand and it was a day that I officially legally changed my name and cut my hair I had this big moment and I was like right this is it I'm I'm gonna live as Kenny now I'm over this I can't live this double life and so I was like right cut my hair and changing my name and so I did it I felt great about it but obviously now I'm realizing I'm gonna have to tell my dad my mom was in full support my friends were like rooting for me like I did the whole like Cat Williams kind of cut at the beginning because mm-hmm. like We couldn't just shave my hair off because I had such long hair um and it was just a really nice thing and anyways I get into I'll never forget this I get into my dad's car back of his BMW and I said dad I've cut my hair and I've changed my name and I've got a hoodie on at this point so we can't see and he's like no you haven't like no it's fine because I think at this point he was still thinking maybe it's a phase and I'm gonna grow out of it and at this point this was very much definitive like this is it and I just remember being like I actually don't care what you have to say anymore. Like, this is who I am and you just need to get on board with it or you don't. Like, I've done this back and forth with you for quite a while now trying to, for you to understand this. We've been doing this for like five years and done. And you you just need to accept me now. And I pulled off my hoodie and he just like, like, my dad doesn't cuss. And when he does, it's very much like Jamaican, full accent Mm. all of the words and so he just started going off on one I just got out the car and slammed the door and just walked home I was like I I, I felt quite happy weirdly enough although my dad was very upset and annoyed and whatever else I was happy because for me that was like the moment in which I had fully stood up for myself I was like this is it and to to someone in which it was going to be very hard to do that with a couple years went on and he was just like I had top surgery and I came back and I was all bloody and you could still see this, like the scars were fresh and the wounds were new. And I remember walking outside, just like wanting to feel like the wind on my chest, because obviously like as a trans man, that's like the greatest feeling ever. And so I'm standing there and my dad comes and he says to me, you look really happy. And I was like, I am. And that was it from that day. It was Kenny, it was Sun there was no other kind of like back and forth with him he had fully accepted me in that moment but yeah i think what i enjoy so much about that story is that i think it really speaks to although you are transitioning it's it's a it's a journey for your family members and the ones around you as well and like i know that this is hard as an individual to go to like to go through but it's important as well to like bear in mind that your family is still processing things. Like there was a few times that my dad would say she instead of he, or my mom would do that. And like, it hurt me, but I understood that they were gonna have to acknowledge and kind of like come to terms with this in the same way that I was. And it was just gonna take them a little bit longer. Um, and I think I was quite single-minded growing up. Like this is all about me. This is me, I'm transitioning. I'm the one that's going through a tough time. And I didn't think about how it was like affecting my family. And so, yeah, just really grateful for how my, how my dad came around. And then just before he passed, um, he loved motorbikes and so did I. And we had this real like bro moment around like just talking about bikes and our loves for like cars and just things that go fast. And that felt like a very much father-son moment. And that was a very good way to like hold his memory. And so, yeah, I was very grateful for kind of like that experience of my dad because it was tough, but we got there in the end. Wow. I really appreciate you sharing all of that with us because as somebody who
0: I haven't spoken to my mum in a couple of years now, she doesn't accept it. I don't have any hope for her coming around, but I, like you said, it is what it is. And that's kind of the only way I can really keep myself together about it. My dad still doesn't use the right name. My dad still calls me she. He really doesn't budge either. Mm. But to hear that with enough patience, your dad did come around to it and it took years and years and years. (laughs) My perspective on it as well is that like, I'm never by myself cutting them out. I'm never the one taking that action. I'm always open for them to come around. And if they do, they do. But the one thing that I can't do is beg for it yeah. or continue to hold hold out on that hope until, yeah. until it hurts to me. You know what I mean? So for you to share that, to like see it through to the end many years in the future is really putting a lot of things into perspective and I really really appreciate you sharing that
2: it's okay you look up you look teary I'm sorry I I hope that wasn't too much um but no like it just that's how it is like you know sometimes I've had family members and stuff that I really feel like don't agree with you and the only reason that they're still kind of in contact is literally because like family kind of like exist in the same space as parties birthdays such and such Um, and that's hard to kind of like sit across a room with somebody and know that this person actually doesn't accept you like they may call you kenny and call you he and whatever else but actually like deep down they just don't accept it and i think there's something powerful with just being like well i don't need your acceptance like i'm gonna be me anyways like you can do what you can do you and feel angry or upset or however you feel about me but at the end of the day i'm kenny and that's it like And I think it gets to a point where if you want to be the most confident version of yourself, if you really want to just live a life that feels more freeing, you're going to have to get to a point where you start to accept where some of your relationships are at. Because if you hold on, like you said, onto this kind of like hope forever, it's like... What does that actually do for you? What are you benefiting from that? All you'll kind of do is lingering here, but always leaving the door open if that person does want to have a conversation with you. I think that's important as well, but setting boundaries about how you're going to manage those relationships. And obviously everybody will deal with that differently, but just knowing when sometimes enough is enough. Like if somebody hasn't come around in a certain period of time, they're just still not getting it. And there's no effort on their side. It's probably best to just forget that person at this point. Um, and the reason to why I continued with my dad was because he was showing me little things. You know, we went from, you know, we went to Kay, calling me Kay, we went to then saying he, we then went to son, do you see what I mean? We then went to bonding as dad and son. And so I think, yeah, for me and my relationships in total, and all of the ways that I've treated all of them, it's been like, if you are showing me that you care and you're trying, and I feel like you are, I'll stay here. I'll stay with you, like, we'll work on this. But if I don't feel like I'm getting that from you, I will cut I will cut you out. There are many people out there, chosen family specifically, that will love me for me. And I'm not gonna waste my time with people that I don't fully, fully accept me. Like, what's the point in that when I can have such a more fulfilling relationship? And I think that works for relationships as, as, as like partners as well. Like be with someone who fully accepts you unconditionally, all parts of you, all of your struggles, everything. All of the dysphoria, everything of that. I think that's what you need. Like, like, That's such a big part. I feel like all of my friends, close friends, they get it. They get it. I think we probably have the same outlook on just prioritize
0: your own happiness over anything else. And the people who are ought to be with you for that will come to you and you don't have to beg for anybody else to come to you. Um we have only one more question to ask and we ask all of our guests this because it's one of the first questions that ambassadors get asked to respond to when they apply to volunteer with the charity. Mm-hmm. Um if you could send a message back in time what would you say to your younger self?
2: Trust the process. Trust, trust the process. It. Yeah, just trust it like I know it seems very doomy and, and hard in the beginning and, like, everything kind of can feel just heavy. But I think as long as you kind of lead with your heart and you stay true to you and you prioritise, like you said, self-care and you, like, you'll be all right. So just, just trust the process. Like, it will happen. Like, you deserve to feel like you deserve to be the person you are. Um, And you'll get there. You will get there. You just, you just got to keep pushing through, that's all.
0: Thank you so much, Kenny, for that. I think that's a really nice place to wrap it up. I want to thank you for joining us to talk about all of that today. I think we got pretty deep there, but it's been really (laughs) beneficial, (laughs) actually. Um, Thank you so much. And where can we find you as well? Social medias, all of that. Drop it all down now.
2: Yeah, so um, just Instagram at Kenny Ethan Jones. My website as well, if you want to check that out, if you're interested in reading some of my written pieces, um, that's KennyEthanJones.com. Amazing, thank you. I'm going to say my goodbye. I've been Isaac. Gone, Lily.
1: (laughs) <laughs> it's been lovely to be on here with you and thank you so much for the conversation today it's been really really lovely to get uh more insights into your own personal experience outside of you know what is presented uh publicly and all the work that you do but to get some more uh, you know family life insight was really really valuable so thank you for that
2: thank you for having me and and all of the work that you do oh my god yes all right these young people need the role models <laughs> In it. Yeah. And if you want to
0: find just like us as well we're on twitter instagram and tiktok at just like us uk if you want to find our website it is justlikeus.org uh, and if you want to find us on facebook you can just search the name it's pretty easy thank you so much for listening to the just like us podcast we hope you have a wonderful rest of your day take care and goodbye bye bye, bye.